Hey, good morning, good morning, everybody. I hope uh, you're doing amazing on this Christmas morning. Merry Christmas, ho, ho, ho. I hope uh, you and yours are doing great. And everyone is wonderful, you know, snags here and there, of course, life happens. Uh, but overall, God is so good. In a world that is like not so good, God is so good to us when we just think about the many blessings that we have, family and friends and our homes and uh, cars and all the things that we have to make our lives easier. So many people in this world don't have all those things. We take them so for granted. So today, especially today, we're grateful for all that we have, especially our brothers and our sisters and our family and our cousins and aunts and uncles and grandkids and so many cool things that God is doing in our life. We are so blessed. We are so blessed. We are so blessed. I hope you feel that way. I do. Well, I'm glad you're here. I love the church. This is what we've been talking about. What we last week and this week we're gonna we're focusing on more on the Christmas story and what happened uh, that we celebrate this time of the year with the birth of Jesus. We love the church, and together we can name a lot of reasons why we love the church. Uh, all the things we've been talking about over the last month or two about um, things that the church, what it means to to be a part of the church and what the church is all about, the, the true church of Jesus. I, I mean the big C church, not the little C church of the world, because there is a big difference. Not every church, not everybody who says they go to church is really living the way God wants us to live. And so there's the church and then there's the earthly church that has caved into so much of the culture that it isn't even any different in a lot of ways than the culture. That's not the church I'm talking about. I'm talking about God's church, the one that he rules over, that he's in all authority and that he's building that church. And that's where we want to line ourselves up with, with his church. Well, it's Christmas time in the city and I, and I hope it's a great day for you. Maybe there's some snow on the ground. If you're from up north, probably so. Kentucky got some snow. It's snow might hit here around here. Uh, hopefully by Christmas Day, get a little, but uh, get a little snow on the ground this day. And uh, so we love the church because 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 God sent His only Son. For lots of other reasons, we love the church, but but this is the big one. This is like one of the biggest reasons that we love the church is because God sent his only son, Jesus, and we celebrate the birth of Jesus the Christ. That's what we celebrate, that precious little baby, that precious little child that God birthed on the earth, so innocent and humble for you and for me that would grow up, oh man, and, and, and pay the penalty for our sins and fulfill all that God said he would do in the future through his Christ child. Such an amazing thing. Last, last uh, Sunday, we talked about the fact that the, the king is coming and that the prophet said for hundreds of years before Jesus stepped on the planet, before his parents stepped on the planet, hundreds of years, the prophet said that Jesus would come, that the king is coming. That's what we talked about last week. Isaiah said, who would come? Micah said, where he would be born, exactly, the town, Bethlehem. 
And Hosea said that there would be this great escape that, that Jesus and his family would have to make and that God would call him back out of Egypt. The prophets spoke of all these things surrounding the birth of Jesus 700 years before it ever happened. 300 prophecies concerning his life, his birth, his death, his resurrection, all of it. And Jesus fulfills them all. And remember what it was like for, for the odds, uh, Stephen Stoner said, for one person fulfilling just eight of those prophecies, like accidentally, was like filling the state of Texas with coins. Remember that two feet deep. Well, today God's word to us is this. The king is here. The prophet said, the king is coming. I want to tell you today, the king is here on this Christmas morning. The savior of the world has come. You know, God said, God said that he would one day send a savior all through time, from the time of Genesis even, and Abraham and Moses and all the prophets. God said he would send a savior that one day the Christ would come to this earth. And so I'd like to share today what this means to us. We, we read a lot of scripture last week about where he would be born, who he would be, what he would do, uh, how it all unfold, the birth of Jesus, Mary and Joseph, the angels, all of that, this, the Christmas story. And so what I want to share today with you is, is what this means to us, that he has come. This child born to you and to me, born on this planet means a couple things. First of all, it means that hope has come. Hope has come. On the other side of Jesus, pre-Jesus, we are all lost in our sin without hope. The blood of all those bulls and goats did not accomplish forgiveness. They just pointed to one day the true Messiah coming and dying for the world. And so we are all pre-Jesus stuck in our sin. And if you don't have Christ in your life today, you are still stuck in your sin. On the other side of Jesus, we are lost and without hope, without the Christ child, we are cut off from God by our sin by our wickedness, and only by his grace and his attention to all of mankind do, do any of us have one ounce of hope, only by his grace. See, according to Webster's Dictionary, hope is this. It's this optimistic state of mind and expectation of a positive outcome. See, worldly hope basically in the flesh is wishful thinking. Just hoping and wishing that something might happen. Biblical hope takes it far beyond wishful thinking. It's that and a whole lot more. See, hope, according to Scripture and according to the definition of the word hope in the Bible, in the Greek, and the Hebrew, hope is trust in, hope is to wait for, and to look forward to. Something that is going to happen, not wishful thinking. Uh, biblical hope is this, get this, it is confident expectation in the Lord based on all that the Lord has done. And so our hope 
Our faith is not just wishful thinking. It is based on all that God has been doing up to this moment in time. And we know he's going to do what he said in the future because he's always said, he's always done what he said. See, God can be trusted. God can be leaned on. And we can, we can bank on whatever promises God has made for the future based on how God has responded and worked in the past. The Christian's hope is founded, get this, the Christian's hope is founded on historical facts, historical facts and biblical records of God moving among his people. Look, real people, real places, real events, not just recorded in the scriptures, but in the history books. The census that Caesar Augustus issued is in the history books, not just the biblical record. It's there too. And so we're not just basing our hope and our faith on the Bible. It's based and supported by what actually happened. You can go to these towns today and see them. You can read about them in historical records of non-Christian uh, scholars and people who wrote about these events. Nobody denies that Jesus lived on the planet. Everyone knows he did. So that, that, that itself tells us it's not just a biblical, uh, factual, historical record, but it is also a secular record of these things that were happening at the time. Our hope it's not just wishful thinking. It is based on what God has been doing all this time because God said 700 years earlier that he would send his child to the earth and God sends the Christ child to the earth. We can have not wishful thinking, but confident hope that the king who has come is gonna come again because God said he would. And God keeps his word. Ephesians chapter 2 says this about hope. Look at this. Remember that at that time you were separated from Christ. Right? This is before Jesus, before you gave your life to Christ, before he came to this earth. Remember at that time you were separated from Christ. You were lost in your sin, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That baby lying in the manger is our salvation for he himself is our peace. Jesus, the Christ child, is the one who brought us back to the Father. And only in him can we come back into his presence, who has made the two groups. One has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, the Gentiles, and peace to those who were near, the Jews. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. The king is here. What does this mean to us? It means this, hope is available. The world needs hope 
more than it needs anything else. Not wishful thinking, but true hope based on historical facts that God is going to move in our lives and in this world, in, our, in his people, like never before if we will place our hope in him. The world needs hope. We need hope. And I hope today, as we consider the gift that God has given the world, Jesus, that we will turn to Jesus, God's precious gift, and find hope. Hope has come. It also means this, number two, that redemption is available. Hope has come. Redemption is available. That's what this baby in the manger means. This is what Christmas means to you and me today. I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb, by the blood of the lamb. At one time, we were lost. I was lost. I was a slave to sin. I was trapped by evil. I didn't even realize it. I was without God. I was without mercy. I was without hope. And then God sent his only son. And Jesus paid the price that you and I owed for our sin. And he came as that little child in that manger. And later he went to the cross in our place. The punishment that brought you and me peace and redemption was placed on Jesus. And by his wounds, you and I are healed. See, that baby lying there in that manger means redemption has come. I mean, redemption is available for you and me. Remember the, the scapegoat, the idea of the scapegoat. If, if you have ever been somebody's scapegoat, it is not cool, right? If you've been the one that they've uh, heaped all their uh, lies on and then you were sent off packing, it's not a cool thing to be in that position at all. In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, in Leviticus 16, the, the scapegoat idea comes into play at the Day of Atonement. It's the Day of Atonement, the day of the removal of sin. Atonement means to make at one, at one mint. So just break the word down, uh, the word down at one mint. It means to make right with God. And the only way you could be one with God is if the sins are, are cared for or taken away. Then we can come back into the presence of God. The reason that we can't go to heaven, the reason that we can't have a relationship with God is because our sins have separated us from, from God. We are cut off by our sin. Jesus came to deal with our sin. And, and that's what the scapegoat idea is all about in the Old Testament. It's in Leviticus 16, the Day of Atonement, the removal of sin. The high priest, at the time his name was Aaron, he, he was take, given two goats and a ram. Three animals, right? They were, all, they were selected and given to him. Aaron would take the ram and he'd sacrifice the ram on the altar. And at that time, there was a lot of blood. I mean, if you were to see the Ark of the Covenant, like truly, it isn't one of these nice pictures of something beautiful and glory. It would be disgusting because they put blood all over the horns that were on the, the Ark. They put blood all over the, the, the top of it. They, the thing would be covered in dried blood. It would be disgusting. So much blood was used to drive, to keep driving into their hearts and into their minds of the people in the world, that it would take blood. That one day it was going to take blood to forgive us of our sins and not the blood of an animal. 
And so Aaron would take the ram. He'd sacrifice that for his own self and his own family. They would cast lots for the two goats, these two goats. One lot would fall on one of the goats, and that goat was sacrificed to the Lord on the altar and his blood sprinkled. And the other goat was taken by the high priest and, the, and blood from the ram and blood from the other goat that was sacrificed to the Lord was placed on the head of the goat. More blood. And, and the idea was that the, the high priest would, would transfer all of the sins of the people onto this goat in blood. And then somebody designated would drag the goat out into the wilderness, way out there, and release it. Crazy, crazy, uh, kind of this foreshadow of, of what God was going to do through this baby Jesus lying in the manger one day. The idea was that the sins of the people had to be dealt with. The sin that separated God's people from God himself had to be dealt with. They had to be driven out. Sins had to be driven out from the community, separated from the people. The symbolism, the spiritual significance that God does not tolerate our sin. And that one day would deal with the sin of mankind through this perfect sacrifice of this baby once and for all. We fast forward, so into the lost, sinful, dark humanity steps the Savior of the world, the light of the world, to pay the penalty for our sin. To take our sin on himself and remove it far from us. As far as the east is from the west. Buried, buried deep in the ocean, in the deep blue sea. Remembered, God says, remembered no more. When your sins are dealt with by the precious blood of Jesus, they are gone. And until they're dealt with by his blood, your sin remains on you and you are separated from God. This child, this baby means so much to you and me and every human being. Redemption means to buy out, like to purchase back. Or to purchase, like to set somebody free by purchasing their punishment. Like redemption is to free somebody or to pay the ransom. You pay the ransom, somebody pays the ransom, and that person now is free to go. That's redemption. Titus says this, check this out. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness that's how we should be living now. Ungodliness, God, ungodliness needs to go from our life. Nothing that we do should have a, even the, the hint of wickedness or evil. Nothing. This is how we should live. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed Hope, oh, isn't that awesome? 
the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Man, that verse, those, past, that, those verses right there, not only tell us what God has done for us, but how we are to live our lives. This baby in the crib, this man on the cross, paid our ransom price. We were dead in our sin, and Jesus not just bought us back, but Jesus brought us back. He brought us back into the presence of God from death. Death and separation from eternal life forever. Lee Strobel, Lee Strobel said this. He said, Jesus did not come to make bad people good. Check that out. Jesus did not come to make bad people good, although that should be the offshoot of our life in Christ. We just read the passage. We ought to live godly lives. And stay away from wickedness and stuff like that. But Jesus didn't come just to make bad people good. Jesus came into this world to make dead people live. He came to make us alive again in Christ when we were dead in our sins, separated from life. This is redemption. The king is here. What does this mean to us? It means redemption is available to you and to me. Turn to Jesus and find your redemption. The king is here. The king is here. The prophet said the king is coming. We declare in Jesus' time that the king is here. Hope has come. Redemption is available. And the last thing that I want to share with you is this. It means this, that eternal life is offered. Eternal life is offered. It means hope, it means redemption, and it means eternal life is now offered to you and to me. Paul said in Romans, Romans, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's the truth. Our sin has landed us in an eternal prison forever cut off from God, broken, and outside of salvation. But that baby, that tiny, little, precious king lying there in the manger in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago is God's gift to the world. His gift of salvation, his gift of eternal life. When Jesus stepped onto the planet, he said this, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. You see it? This is what Jesus said. The kingdom, the time is near. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. First, he says the time has come. That means that all prophecy has found its fulfillment in this moment in Jesus. All that was said, all the arrows pointing to that specific time in history, hundreds of years from now, is now found its fulfillment. And Jesus says the time has come. That's huge. That's insane. That is so big for, the, for mankind and for you and for me and for the world. All that God has been pointing to, hundreds of years of work, Jesus is saying is happening right 
now right here. The king of the kingdom has come. And then he says, the kingdom of God is near. It is nearer than it has ever been. The kingdom of God is not just near, but it is right here in front of you. Another kingdom is at play on this planet. Jesus is contrasting the two kingdoms here. His kingdom has come. The kingdom that you are now dwelling in and living in on the planet is different from his kingdom. The kingdom that is of the planet is the kingdom under the rule of the God of this age, the, the kingdom of the air and of evil and of the, 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 the demonic presence of Satan himself ruling over the planet for now. The enemy hijacked God's creation and every one of us have fallen for his tricks. Every one of us are, are guilty of this great rebellion toward the creator. We have all jumped on board the sin train with the devil. We have bought into his lies. We believed his, his, his half-truths and we have, we have shaken our fist at a holy God, at the, at the creator of the universe. Jesus says, repent and believe. This is how you turn. This is how you get out of that kingdom. You repent and you believe the good news. What's the good news? The good news is this. God's kingdom is now here. Is, he's the, the, he is God's king and he has come to rule his kingdom on the earth in the midst of the darkness. You know, lots of kings have come and wandered, wandered the planet blessing and uh, promising and benefiting their subjects all over the world. Many, many kings and rulers. But there is only one king that can offer you and me eternal life. Many others can offer you riches. They can offer you, Satan himself will offer you all kinds of promises and, and worldly possessions, but there's only one king who can offer you life everlasting, and that is King Jesus. To Thomas, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father unless they go through me. That's what Jesus said. In Acts 4, the scripture says, salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Jesus, the name of Jesus. In Matthew 25, the story of the sheep and the goats, the parable, Matthew writes and he says, these, the disobedient, they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. And in John chapter 10, Jesus teaches that he is the good shepherd and he is the very gate that the sheep can come through. He is the gate, Jesus said. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. Do not listen to the lies. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be, there it is, saved, saved. He's not talking about a, a, a sheep pen out in the middle of Palestine. He's talking about eternity and eternal life in heaven will be saved. They will come in and they will go out and they will find pasture. Everlasting life. Everlasting life. This little child lying in the manger for us Christmas day, Christmas morning means eternal life. Look guys, the king is here. The king has come. The, the prophet said the king is coming. 
Jesus in his time, they proclaim that the king is here. And what's this mean to me and you? Well, here's what it means. It means hope has come. It means hope, our hope, our only hope has come. It means redemption is available. You can have your sins forgiven. Jesus is our scapegoat. All of our sins heaped on Jesus and he took them to the cross and he paid the penalty for whoever will accept his sacrifice in their life and make him Lord and Savior of all that you are. And the third thing is this, eternal life is offered. Hope has come, redemption is available, eternal life is offered. The child in the manger, this little baby in the manger today is the one that the prophets wrote about. The baby is the fulfillment of 300 prophecies written 100, 700 years before he ever stepped on the planet. And, and so with great confidence and with great assurance, we say, today, we say these things. Like the prophets of old, we say, the king is coming. With the people of Jesus' day, we say, the king is here. And with the church today that you and I are a part of, we say, we say with eager expectation, the king is coming again. Oh, it's Christmas time in the city. It's Christmas time and there will be tinsel and lights and bells and songs and presents and wrapping paper and messes all over the place. But the true meaning of Christmas is this little baby that brought us more than we could ever ask for. He is our only hope. He is our only salvation. He is our only redemption. He is our only eternal life. And I say, prepare your heart this day. Prepare the way for the Savior, for the coming Christ. God bless you guys. Have an amazing day. And let's never, ever forget, not just on this day, but as we live every day of our life, that we would live our lives to honor the one who came and gave his life for you and me. God bless you. Have a great, great Christmas day.